so excited about this series. We've been planning for a while called Forever. So everybody say Forever. Look at a neighbor and give him four fingers like this and say Forever. Man, I'm super excited about this series. Let me just set it up for you and tell you what we're going to be doing in this series over this next four weeks. What we're going to be doing is we're going to do our best to really invest in some relationships and to invest in your lives. And we're going to be talking to a couple of different groups of people. First of all, we're going to talk to those of you who are not yet married, but one day you would want to be married and you would want to have the kind of marriage and the kind of relationship that God desires for your life and what I plan on doing is trying to give you some tools and trying to give you some things that will help you on the front end. Some of the things that I wish people would have told me before I got married that will help you to prepare you on the front end so that you can have the kind of marriages that God wants for you and desires for you to have. Also, I'm going to be talking to those of you who are already married. You're already in a marriage relationship, and what we're going to do is we're going to get four principles, four commitments that we're going to make together that I promise if you will take these four commitments and if you will make them and if you will do them over time, I believe you can fail-proof your marriage. How many would like to have a fail-proof marriage? Come on, say amen. So this is what we're going to do, all right? Are you ready? We're going to start by, I'm going to ask you a question, and we're going to have a little question and answer, so I need a little bit of audience participation here. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to the ladies in the house. Do I have any ladies in the house here this morning? I want to talk to you. Now, when you were just a little girl, maybe you dreamed of what it would be like one day. Come on, ladies, am I, am I right? Like, maybe you're just a little girl, and you're dreaming about, man, one day I'm going to meet this special someone, and they're going to be the one, and we're going to fall in love. And, man, maybe even you planned out what your wedding would be, and maybe you got the songs already picked out, and you know in your mind what the dress is going to look like and you're thinking man I'm going to get married and it's going to be happily ever after as my as my husband picks me up and sweeps me off of my feet and carries me over the threshold and then I'm going to have this house that I dream of and it's going to be clean all the time and I'm not going to have to clean it my husband's going to going to rub my back every night and massage my feet and maybe even before you even got married maybe you're even thinking about you know what you were going to name your children. Come on, ladies, raise your hand today if you had a dream like that. Come on, all over the place like that. All right. Now, let me talk, let me talk to the men. Now, men, did you dream something like that when you were a little boy? No, you didn't dream something like that. No, 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 no. You weren't thinking about the wedding. What were you thinking about? You were thinking about the honeymoon. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Just be honest, guys, right? And you weren't just thinking about the honeymoon. You were thinking about after the honeymoon and after you get married, and it's going to be honeymoon five days a week and twice on Sundays. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. Praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Right? Now, let me ask you this, and be honest with me. How many of you, guys and ladies, are still dreaming? Raise your hands. Hands are going up all over the room today. That's right. 
That's right. Because marriage carries with it these expectations, doesn't it? Like when we're going to get married, we've got expectations of what marriage is going to be like and all of this bliss and all this joy. But then you get married and you find out that there are some unfulfilled expectations that you find, right? And man, sometimes they get on your nerves and there's this frustration and then there's these faults that you find that you didn't see before you got married, right? And there's, there's these fights, right? The three F's, frustrations, faults, and fights. And man, then there's just this pain and there's this struggle and there's all of these things. And some of you are even here right now and you hear me talking and you know, you know when we're going to talk about marriage and stuff like that, that I'm going to tell you, you can have the kind of marriage that God desires for you to have. And you're you're kind of pushing back on that even right now as I'm talking. I know what's going on in your brain, right? And you're going, is that even possible? Like, is it really possible to have a marriage that would last forever? Is it really possible to have the kind of marriage that God desires for me to have? And the answer to that question today is undoubtedly, I believe, with all of my heart, I believe that the answer is yes. Everybody say yes. Yes, it is possible for you to have that kind of marriage that I'm talking about. But it's not likely. At least not if you do things the way the world does them. In fact, I mean, if you look at the way the world does marriage, you will see that that the culture is completely failing in this area. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's horrifying when you think about the stats. The statistics tell us that one out of every two marriages ends up in divorce. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And if you get married when you're young, the percentage is even higher. And even of those 50% that don't end in divorce, it's so sad to see that many of them are just kind of holding it together for the sake of the kids or maybe just kind of like roommates and the passion is gone and it's not what it once was and if you look at the way society does marriage I'm telling you that that the statistics are terrible and you know I started thinking if we were to have any other area of our life if they had this kind of failure rate I'm telling you it wouldn't be acceptable you know I mean just imagine if you found out that if I eat this certain kind of cereal that I have a 50% chance of getting cancer would you continue to eat that kind of cereal no I think you'd find a different cereal right or imagine if you you know heard that if I put my money in this certain bank that there's a 50% chance that I'm going to lose it all. You'd probably find a different bank to put your money in. And yet, in the area of marriage, we just continue to do things the way society says to do them. And we continue to make the same mistakes. And we seem to think that that's just okay. That that's just normal. It's crazy to me, I mean, you can't even get a driver's permit without going and taking a six-week course, and yet you can go down to the city and get a marriage license for 15 bucks, and they don't even require you to take a class. It's crazy. And we wonder why. We wonder why marriages 
are failing. And here's the deal. If we want our marriages to be strong, if we want our marriages to be all that God wants them to be, we've got to decide we're not going to do things the way of society. We're not going to do things that are normal in our culture, but instead we're going to do things God's way. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this this series over this next four weeks. We're going to talk to those of you who are not married, and we're going to prepare you for that one day when you do get married. And we're going to tell you some things that, that many of us who are married wish we would have known. And I hope that you will listen up. I hope that you won't tune this series out and say, I'm not married, and so that doesn't pertain to me, because it does pertain to you, right? So we're going to help you with that a little bit. And then we're going to talk to those who are married, and we're going to help to strengthen your marriages. And we're going to talk about these four commitments that we're going that are going to help us to drive us through this series. And, and we're going to see what God would want for each one of our marriage. Because here's the deal. If you want to have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have, God has to be at the center. And you can't do things the way the world does them. you got to do things the way God does them. Because marriage is not just a contract between two people. Marriage is a covenant between a man and a wife and God. And if we want to have marriages and relationships that last forever, we've got to do things God's way. Amen? That's what we're going to talk about over this next few weeks. Because see, many of you remember what it was like. Maybe those of you who are married, or maybe if you weren't married, you've been to a wedding before. And so you know what happens when there you are, you're at the wedding. I remember what my wedding was like as I'm standing there at the altar and I'm nervous. And then all of a sudden the music starts, dun, 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 right, or whatever it was. And I, they open those doors and the, the most beautiful like woman that I have ever seen walks down the aisle and she stands next to me and there I am standing in my 90s three button tuxedo with the green vest and the old school tie and my Zach Morris haircut you know what I'm saying and there I am standing there and my knees are just melting and then the preacher which was my dad was pretty cool the preacher says something like this right do you Chad take this woman Amber to be your lawfully wedded wife and you go through that whole deal and you say to have and to hold to love and to cherish in sickness and in health for better or for worse for what as long as you both shall live so help me God how do you remember that right and as you're standing there and you're you're about to melt guys many of you might have been thinking this for as long as we both shall live that's a long time right that's like forever, right? And many of you guys, as you were standing there, maybe this was something that might have been kind of going through your mind. Check it out. such a long, long time, but I believe that we can have that kind of relationship, and I really think that it comes to the very last part of that, and those three words that we say that we don't even think about when we're saying, so help me God. Actually, it's four words, isn't it? So help me God. You you guys get up here and try this. It's not easy. (laughs) So help me God, because the thing is, if you're going to have this kind of relationship, 
you're going to have to have God's help. So what we're going to do is we're going to make four commitments. Four commitments over this next four weeks. We're going to take each one and we're going to break them down. And I have to admit, these are not original with me. I actually heard another pastor, Pastor Craig Groeschel, teach these. And I felt like this was something that we needed to teach to everyone here in our church. And so we're going to make these four commitments. If you have your notes, I want you to read them aloud with me. Are you ready? Seek God, fight fair, stay pure, never give up. Come on, say it again. Seek God, fight fair, stay pure, never give up. One more time. Seek God, fight fair, stay pure, never give up. Man, I want you to memorize these four commitments. I want you to internalize these four commitments because I think that these commitments can make all the difference in the world in your marriage if you will commit yourself, not just for the next four weeks, but if you will commit yourself to to apply these things and to be here every week for these next four weeks, but then to apply these things ongoing in your relationship, I believe that you can have the kind of marriage that God desires for you to have. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this first one. It goes like this, seek God. So everybody say, seek God. Now, here's the problem with marriage, and here's the problem with relationships in our society, in our culture today, that before you're married, most people do anything but seek God. Instead, before you're married, here's what we're doing. We're seeking out a mate. You know what I'm saying? And man, it's just like that's where our radar is. That's the pursuit of our life. You listen to the radio and all the songs are about I got to find the one. I got to find the special one, the one that's going to make me happy. You watch the movies and that's what it's all about. And you see it. And man, most single people, here's what they're doing. Running around everywhere trying to find that special someone, the one who is going to make me fulfilled, the one who's going to make me happy, the one who's going to complete me, right? We're looking for the one. And you know, you know how it goes. I mean, society tells you that you can't be happy unless you have the one, right? And then you meet someone and it's like, oh, man, he's so cute. He smells so good. And, man, I just know he's, got, he's the one for me, right? Man, she's just so pretty, and when she smiles, it just makes me tingly all over, and I'm just telling you, I know she's the one for me. You know, I think there's something that society has actually got right. You can't be happy and completely fulfilled and satisfied until you find the one, but here's the problem. The one is not another person. The one is Jesus. Society will tell you, you got to have this one person in your life that's going to fulfill you, but there is no one person who is going to make you completely happy and fulfilled. There is only one that can do that. That is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so just once, I would like to hear a young lady say, I met this guy, and he's a godly guy, and I like him, and I'm telling you, I know he's the two. Because here's the deal. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is your one, and your spouse is your two. Everybody say that aloud with me. Jesus is your one, and your spouse is your two. I mean, 
Wasn't that what Jesus was saying? I mean, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He didn't say, love your spouse with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What did he say in Matthew? It's up on the screen. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And the problem for so many people is that we have made other people number one. We have thought that if I meet the right one, if I meet Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and if we fall in love, we get married, and we have this dream that we have for our life of how we're going to be happily ever after and all of that, that somehow that that will fulfill me, that somehow that will complete me. But the truth is that there is no person on this earth that can fulfill and complete you. There is only one, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is your one, your spouse is the two. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this down. We're going to talk to two different groups of people. The first group of people we're going to talk to is we're going to talk to those of you who are not yet married, but you hope one day to have a wonderful marriage that we're talking about this morning. Do I have any singles in the house today? If you're single, would you just raise your hand? Raise it up. Come on. Raise it up real high all over the room. Keep it up. Keep it up. Now, everybody everybody, look around. You see those hands that are raised there? If you're single, you see somebody else's hand raised around. There might just be a connection there. I don't know. I'm just saying. I do weddings. $50 a wedding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're, if you're not married here today, here's the commitment that I'm going to challenge you to make. Are you ready for this? I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Everybody say that with me. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. If you're not married here today, this is the commitment. This is what I'm challenging you to do. I'm challenging you to make Jesus Christ number one in your life. I'm challenging you to seek after God with all your heart. Instead of running around trying to find a boyfriend. Instead of running around trying to find a girlfriend. Instead of running around trying to find that one that you think is somehow going to fulfill you and make your life complete. I am challenging you today to decide in your heart that I will not seek after another relationship, but instead I will seek God with all of my heart while he prepares me for that relationship that I will have one day. Because here's the deal, and it's so true. If Jesus is not your one, then the two, the two will never work. Oh, you got a 50-50 chance, but we already established that's not very good odds. The only way you're going to have a relationship that's really going to last, the only way you're going to have a relationship that God desires for you to have and the marriage that God desires for you to have is if you decide that he's going to be the one and I'm going to seek him while he prepares me for that relationship that will one day come. So I challenge you to make that decision. And the truth is, at this time in your life, if you're single, if you were one of those that raised your hand and you're single here today, you have the greatest opportunity. Paul talked about it, that while you are single, you don't don't have anything else to distract you from seeking God and knowing him with all of your hearts. So I challenge you to make that commitment today that I will seek the one while God prepares me and while I prepare myself for the two. If you're taking notes, write this down. Before you can have that person that God wants you to have, you have to become the person that God wants you to be. Oh, this is so good. Somebody should have said amen. I know you're taking notes, but you should have said amen right there. Before you can have that person that God wants you to have, here's the deal. 
You have to become the kind of person that God wants you to become. And this is so important. And I see, I see this struggle so much in singles and, and teenagers and in college students and single adults that I see through the church that I see people and, and, and they think, you know, I'll just, when I get married or when I meet that person, when I get ready to settle down, then I'll settle down and then I'll have that, I'll meet that one person and they'll be a godly man or a godly woman and then we'll settle down and we'll get into church and we'll raise our family in church. But right now I'm single and so it's not ready, I'm not ready to settle down yet and so right now I'm going to have my fun and I'm going to do my thing while I'm young and while I'm single and I'm going to hit the clubs and I'm going to party it up and I'm going to sleep around and I'm going to do, do my thing and then when I get ready to settle down then I'll find a godly man or a godly woman who is good marriage potential and then we'll get married here's a problem with that this is why this is so incredibly dangerous is that when that time comes and you start looking for that godly man or that godly woman after you've partied up and done your thing here's the deal they're not looking for someone like you because like attracts like you attract people that are like you and someone who is looking for a godly man or a godly Woman is not looking for someone who has spent their life living their own way. So here's what I challenge you to do. Right now, become the man or the woman that God intends for you to be. Before you ever find the one that God wants for you, you have to be the one that God wants you to be. So what does that look like? Well, for the ladies, all the, all the single ladies in the house. I know I could make a joke there, but I'm not going to. All the single ladies in the house, what does it look like for you? Well, what does the scripture talk about in Proverbs 31? Man, a famous passage of scripture. What does it say? This lady, is she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come, and she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue, and she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness, and her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, he praises her, and many women uh, do noble things, but you surpass them all, for charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Man, that's the kind of woman that you need to become. Before you become a wife, become this kind of woman. Seek God with all your heart. Seek righteousness. Seek purity. Seek strength and wisdom and faithfulness and instruction. And as you do, you know what the scripture says in Matthew 6? That if you will seek God first, if you will put him first, guess what he will do? He'll take care of all of that other stuff for you. So instead of running around seeking a mate, seeking a man, start seeking God. Start seeking righteousness. Start seeking right living. Start seeking faithfulness and all of those things that we see right there in Proverbs 31. And as you seek all of that and as you become the kind of woman that God wants you to be, guess what happens? He's preparing the kind of man that he wants you to have. But he's not going to bring that man into your life until you become that kind of woman. Guys, you're not off the hook. Got any single guys in the house today? If you're a single guy, give me a ur, 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 guy grunt today. What does the scripture say about it in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 11? But you, man of God, everybody say man of God. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. 
fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called, which you were called to live. The Bible says, hey, as a man of God, instead of going around looking for a woman, what am I going to do? I'm going to start living for righteousness. I'm going to start seeking the things of God. I'm going to start seeking after purity and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. I'm going to pursue being a man of God. And instead of going around trying to hook up all the time, I'm going to man up. And when I man up, then God might just bring the woman into my life. But if I'm not prepared to be the kind of man I need to be, then God's not going to bring the kind of woman he needs to bring into my life. Come on, I'm preaching and y'all aren't amening today. I'm having fun. So this is what I'm going to do. If I'm single this morning, here's the commitment you're going to make. I'm going to seek the one while preparing for the two. Check this out. Those of you who are married, you thought, oh, you're going to get off, but you're not going to get off. Are you ready? Here we go. As a married, a married couple today, if you're married here today, raise your hand if you're married. Come on. That's a whole bunch of married people here today. If you're married, here's what we're going to do. I will seek the one with my two. Everybody say that. I will seek the one with my two. See, sometimes we get this mixed up. We've already talked about this. We think that our spouse is the one. They're going to make me happy. They're going to make me feel good. They've got to meet all of my needs. And so if I, can't, if I don't have them, I can't live without them because they complete me and they meet all of my needs. And that's the job of my spouse. And so here's what we do. When we first meet that person or we first get married, we put them up on this pedestal and we say, man, they're going to make me happy and they're going to meet all of my needs. And what we do is we kind of idolize them, right? But then after we get married, things change a little bit, and we, we see them for who they are, and we see some of those flaws, and we see some of those faults, and we see them, what they look like when they wake up in the morning, what their breath like, smells like before they brush their teeth, right? And so then when we realize that they are human and there's no way that they're ever going to meet all of our needs, what do we do? We say, you're not doing it right and you're not meeting my needs. And there's all of this, all of this dysfunction and all of, this, all of these disagreements and all of this stuff. And we idolize them until we realize that they can't live up to where we've built them up to be. And then we, what do we do? We demonize them. You're not doing it right. And here's the, here's the whole problem here. The whole problem is that we've got it all out of order. We've got our spouse being the one. And we, our spouse can't be the one. They can never completely fulfill us. So here's what we have to do. We have to make God the one and our spouse is the two. And then we decide, I will seek the one with my two. We're going to do this thing together. I'm not going to just seek God on my own. I'm not going to just have my relationship with God on my own. But together, we're going to come together, a three-chord strand. Me and, my, and her and God come together, and that three-chord strand cannot easily be broken. So you say, Pastor, that sounds good. How do we do it? Well, I'm going to help you out here. In fact, I could give you like a long list of, you know, here's some practical things, write these down, everybody fill in the blank or whatever. But here's the problem is that some of you wouldn't even fill in the blank. And then those of you that did fill in the blank, you'd leave your little thing on the chair, you know, when you leave. And you would forget all of those things that I told you. So I decided we'll do it like this. I'm just going to give you one thing. Everybody say one thing. 
I'm going to challenge you to do one thing. You might remember at the beginning of this year, we did, a, we did a message called One Thing Away. You might be one thing away from a different life. It might be one prayer. It might be one relationship. It might be one decision. Well, guess what? You might just be one thing away from a different marriage this year because this one thing could begin to lead to another thing, to another thing, to another thing that could completely revolutionize your marriage if you will do this one thing. How many want to know what the one thing is? One thing I'm going to challenge you to do over the next 30 days starting today, to seek God together in prayer. I'm going to challenge you to pray together with your spouse every day for the next 30 days. Now, I know what's going on in your mind right now. All the ladies are going, oh, yes, that's going to be so wonderful, and we're just going to be so intimate. It's going to be so cute and so nice. And And all of you men are going, Pastor, what are you doing to me? Because that's weird and that's uncomfortable and I don't know how to do that. Well, let's, let's, I understand that. Let's just talk about it here for a second. Because in your mind, ladies, you're thinking, when I say pray together every day, here's probably what you're thinking. You're thinking, we're going to kneel down and we're going to hold hands and we're going to look into each other's eyes. And for the next 45 minutes, we're just going to pray out loud over each other. And then we're going to read our Bible for 15 minutes. And it's going to be so wonderful. And guys, that's not what you're thinking at all. So let's just talk about it. I mean, for a lot of people, it could look completely different. What does that mean? For some of you, it might mean that you kneel down together and that you actually pray out loud over one another. And that would be awesome. Some of you may not be completely comfortable to do that yet. Some of you are not, not married yet, but you have a significant other or you're engaged or whatever. Maybe for you it might look like, hey, when we go on our date, here's what we're going to do. Instead of just praying over the meal, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food on the plate. Instead... We're going to take a minute. We're going to look into each other's eyes and we're going to pray. And maybe we take four or five minutes and we invite God to be in the date with us. How many know that'll keep you out of a lot of trouble if you're not married? If you invite God to be on the date with you and maybe you invite God to be in the center of that relationship that you have and so you just take a minute and you do that for some of you it might be that maybe you're not comfortable praying out loud with your spouse yet I hope that you can get to that place but maybe you're not quite there yet so maybe it might be that at the beginning of the day you just talk to each other and you say what can I pray about for you today and then you tell them and then your spouse says here's you know what can I pray about for you and you tell them what you're going to pray about and through the day you pray those prayers over your spouse and they know that you're praying for them and you know that they're praying for you maybe it might look like hey you know maybe you might sit down and write out a prayer you might email it to them or text it to them throughout the day maybe even little short prayers that you text to your significant other it might be that before you leave for work you just take a few minutes and you say god Bless this day and God help us to put you first in our marriage. It might be that before you get into bed at night, you say, let's pray uh, together. That's only for those of you that are married, just so that you know. (laughs) And you say, we're going to pray together every day for the next 30 days and just see what God will do in our marriage as we seek Him together. You say, Pastor, does that really work? Well, let's see what the scripture has to say about it in the book of 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. Look what it says. If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Then look what it says. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. How many believe God can do that? When we seek him, when we turn from our wickedness, when we stop doing things the way the world does them, we start doing things the way God wants us to do them. How many know God hears and he responds to that kind of prayer? We could take that verse right there and we could apply it to our relationships. We could apply it to our marriage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their marriage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their relationship. When you begin to seek God first and when you begin to pray, there's something powerful that can happen in relationships. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you're like, you know what, my husband or my wife is not a Christian and they, there's no way, they don't even go to church with me. There's no way that they're going to pray with me. Well, maybe you just decide for 30 days, I'm going to pray for them every single day. And maybe even during that time, maybe there's an opportunity for you to even send them a little text message or make them a little note just to say, I'm praying for you. And imagine what God can do in broken relationships and in broken, in broken marriages and in broken homes when we decide to make him the center of our marriage and the center of our relationship and the center of our home and that we're going to seek him first no matter what and that we're going to seek him with our spouse. And even if our spouse isn't a Christian, we're going to pray for them and believe God to do some things in their life and as that happens I believe God can bring some healing into some marriages and into some relationships and into some lives and we can do a whole lot better than 50% and just think about it just real practically we know what God can do but think about this just even you could take God out of the, the whole equation and think about this real practically it's hard to fight with someone who you just prayed for Right? I mean, it's kind of hard to stay mad at someone who you just knelt down and said a prayer together with. It's kind of hard to hold bitterness or resentment, unforgiveness towards someone that you just prayed with. It's, it's hard to have an affair on someone that you're praying for every day and with every day. It's hard to get hooked on pornography when you're praying with someone and for someone every day thinking about them. It's hard to have divorce. When you pray together, when you seek God together. You know, Family Life did a survey a while back. They surveyed hundreds of Christians and they found that out of those hundreds of Christian couples, they found that fewer than 8% of all of those Christian couples actually pray together. That's, man, that's a sad, sad number. But here's the good news about that. Out of that 8% of Christian couples that prayed regularly together, only 1% divorced. 50%? 99%. Which one do I like better? Marriages that are falling apart, barely even staying together, even if they're part of the 50%, or marriages that last forever. Marriages that have relationships with Christ as the center where there's a passion and a love in that relationship and nobody's perfect and the relationship is not perfect, but something is powerful when we seek God together. I like the odds on the one on the 99% that make it way better than the 50% that make it. And here's what's so awesome is that 
God has promised in Hebrews 11 and 6. He said that he will reward those who diligently seek him. And if you decide today that in my marriage or in the marriage that I don't have yet, but one of these days I want to have, or in my relationship with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my fiance, or even if you've been married before, but you decide I'm going to put God first in my life and I'm going to seek him first and he's going to be the one and everything else is going to come after that. It's amazing that if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these other things will be added to us as well. And when we do things God's way, it works a whole lot better than when we do things the world's way. Would you say amen with me today? Thank you.